start with the oh i like his okay mm-hmm. yeah all right all right so you start with the fake ass lord of the rings castle okay all right let's see how little mermaid hairdo okay there goes the guy from the the devil's double he was the the, the erect the son of saddam now he's a king of some shit, i guess okay oh here comes the goons oh here comes the go for our kung fu yeah Look at that. You got no teeth. Got the British teeth making knocked out. Oh, drum kicks. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's that song at the, the 70s, Bad Reputation or whatever. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's how you know she's bad. Oh, she got a Kung Fu best friend. Okay. She got a black best friend too? That'll, that'll steal a deal. Okay. And she's jumping around and shit. Okay. Trying to be the action-packed white girl. Okay, I can dig with that. Yeah. Okay. On the swords and axes and shit. Jumping out I think shit. you just named this podcast episode "Action-Packed White Girl." <laughs> oh wait! Oh shit! Oh, go to Craig with this motherfucker. Oh shit! Okay. Just gonna show how it's done. Yeah. Yeah. We'll beat them niggas up in the bar. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> It's so silly. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's for the children. I like that. Yeah. For the youth, dumb. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this week's action for everyone uh, for this here June 5th, 2022. I am, as always, your host, Mike Scott, joined by the uh, Maestro of Mayhem. I don't know why I just called you that, Liam, but uh, Liam O'Donnell, how are you today? <laughs> the Maestro of Mayhem. Uh, I'm feeling great. You know, we've, we've had a we've had a, a fun week, haven't we? Uh, and um, yeah, I'm excited to, to talk with you guys. And uh, recovering from uh, his illness, uh, we are happy to see him up and walking around. Vice Victus, how are you doing today, man? How's it going? They would try to put me down. But I wouldn't let him, even though I was shitting on my elbows. But uh, yeah, I didn't. I shit my elbow out of my asshole, as opposed to assholes or elbows, which is a common phrase in the military. See how deep we go in this podcast? You'll be in like 60 seconds. You're getting top-level knowledge. That's how it go around here. Actually, everybody. For you. What are we talking about? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. 
we are we are doing after a fairly um uh heavy episode last week uh we are we are doing a good old-fashioned a for e this week folks we got a couple trailers for you we got a couple of dtv movies that we're going to talk about and uh it should just be a nice breezy little chat as we go through it today so um first and foremost let's start talking about the trailers uh there's two in particular we want to talk about uh start with the man from toronto liam what did you think of that trailer uh, I thought that trailer looked pretty fun. Um, you know, I, I I still will laugh at Kevin Hart. You know, we had a little discussion last night on on Twitter about uh, Central Intelligence, which I still ride for, and I say is is one of the Rock's better performances of the past ten years or so. Uh, you could tell the you know originally Jason Statham was supposed to play the man from Toronto, and uh, you can kind of <laughs> clearly see that in the trailer that uh, the staff the staff's fingerprints are are all over this movie. But it's just Woody Harrelson doing it, which is great. Woody Harrelson's funny. I'm sure it'll all work out, but he it doesn't quite have the same uh, you know obviously action movie presence and history that uh, Statham would have would have brought and and have that kind of be more of a of a, like we were saying last night, the classic action star with the comedian team up, whereas like Woody is really a comedian who then did some action. So it's it's kind of not quite as clean of a set of a cell, I would say. But, um, you know, it still it still looks worth worth watching. And um, you know, Kevin Hart still makes me laugh. What, what do you want me to say? <laughs> yeah, uh, I know this is from the director Patrick Hughes. Who uh, I think famously did the Hitman's Wife and the sequel, Hitman's Wife Bodyguard. Uh, and I was a really big fan of the original movie. Uh, I thought it was uh, a lot more clever and 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 uh, action packed than I would have expected. And also, you know, funny as well. That was the first time, of course, with uh, Sam Jackson and uh, uh, Ryan Reynolds being on screen together. Well, if you don't call it Turbo, but this remember the Steel movie, the, the cartoon Steel movie, they were that no, together. No, we don't. We don't. We don't Turbo. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I like that one, but then I, I kind of, I kind of uh, was down on the, the sequel a little bit. You know, it, you know, it was fun and all, but I just uh, felt like uh, I don't know the novelty wore off. You want to say it that way? Um, but that all said, you know, the action chops were, were definitely there still. So yeah, I, this I didn't see the me. sequel, but I couldn't believe they didn't bring back Ellery Young. I mean, she she was great in the first one. Yeah, she's just not in the second. That, that that killed a little bit of my buzz. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, no, I, 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 from the trailer, but here, the trailer here, looking, you know, it looks, the action looks sharp and choppy, and and and, and uh, well, yeah, it's like, I, it's weird that you know, you, knowing that Statham was supposed to be in it, but then seeing Woody Harrelson now, like, uh, I don't know, maybe like maybe that might give it an edge, make it more weird than it would originally be. Like maybe maybe these kind of movies need to have that more weirder of a curve to kind of really pull off nowadays, because like otherwise it'd be you know the stock generic kind of thing like even with, with him as bodyguard like uh that would on paper that should be a straight laced pencil kind of guy plus uh this wild card but since reynolds is kind of a wild card himself it has a little right. bit of to it you know that like gives it, it differentiates it from most of these kind of things so yeah maybe, maybe that might work actually so but yeah we'll, we'll see we'll see that is interesting. You're right. I guess like the typical pairing of the hitman's bodyguard you would yeah. have someone who's like a little bit more like uh Fuck, who's the guy from um, Arrested Development? You know the oh uh, Patrick Bateman or no 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 that's, that's, that's the... <laughs> Just, Justin uh, you know you know Mike you're the encyclopedia Jason Bateman yeah yeah, well, Patrick yeah if you had Hitman's Bodyguard would be a very different movie <laughs> yeah 
but it's like straight laced put upon man you know yeah and even even with the C- the cia movie uh, uh like the rock is you know he's he's the straight head but but he's still like weird like he has a like, weird energy to is him. he is he yeah he's th- that is you're right they they're definitely because the rock like does the whole movie like he's on mdma the yeah. whole time <laughs> Yeah, so I think even that, that, like having that, like kind of that that strange curve to it, will yeah. make these movies, if not better, like a little just make them stand up, stand up out more. So yeah, I think that I think that's, that's a good, might be a better, a good selling point for it actually. So we'll see. Yeah, I am. Um, this one, this one was just only fine for me. I think people are going to be pretty excited to see it. I'm, I'm, I do agree with you, Liam, that. Central Intelligence is actually funny as hell. Um, I, I enjoy that movie, but I, I'm not. I am one of the guys. I'm not a big Kevin Hart fan. He's never really made me laugh all that much. So um, uh, this one will probably. I mean, I'll probably watch it just because uh, that's what we do on this show. But uh, right. there wasn't there wasn't much. And and I will say, I found uh, the Hitman's bodyguard's wife to be almost unwatchable uh, <laughs> it, was, it was i liked the first one and i thought the first one had some some terrific action in it um i do you know patrick hughes still has yet to uh match his debut film red uh why am i drawing a blank on, on oh, red hill red hill yeah <clears throat> i mean that, that he still has yet to match that 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 movie's just terrific but um you know I'll, i'm sure i'll i'll end up watching this but I, for me i was a little bit like okay it's there it is what it is it feels like a friday night netflix movie you yeah. know um so oh, and kind of attention is it, is it a netflix movie i, I didn't see yeah. it oh, okay. yeah certainly. but that kind of attention to that because um you know mentioned how the street guy comedy guy parallel and kevin hart um, he actually did, I think it was, yeah, it was last year. He did a small miniseries uh, called uh, True Story, which was a really surprising thing because it was like a, it's a dark noir um, that still has comedy in it. Um, so if you guys haven't seen it, basically, uh, well, if you may have never heard in the past few years, Kevin Hart's kind of scandals and stuff about, you know, infidelity. And uh, at one point, it led to like kind of a, a, somebody, a blackmail kind of scenario and he had legal involvement in everything. So they kind of used the, those little bits of his real life to make this really cool, like a uh, really, really disturbing story about uh, this. He's he's playing Kevin, uh, like alter ego, but he's a big comedian who gets enrolled in a uh, in a uh, trying to hide a murder, hide a, a death. Um, like he he's a big star, and a woman dies in the bedroom, and so the whole and his brother plays by Wesley, Wesley Snipes in a fantastic role, ends up trying to get go through all these uh, criminal linkings to keep him quote unquote safe. But then there's like, as you know, a whole mystery unfolds about this whole thing. And it's really great because he, he's playing a comedian, so he has to be funny in certain parts. But it's a very good, like a black, serious, like, like story going on. And so when, when those dramatic parts happen, Kevin plays them to the hilt. Like uh, when he, whether he's stressing out or about the woman dying or having to deal with these uh, mob bosses. Uh, with, uh, I think Billy Zane shows up as one of the mob bosses. Pretty cool. And like, so he's doing this really, really like intense dramatic stuff. But also, he has to like in, in character jump into being a comedian to to save his skin. It's, it's, a, it's a really fascinating and really great TV uh, series. So I definitely want to recommend like uh, people check it out. It's called True Story. And again, like I kind of want to see I, he, that show to me that he definitely has the stuff and the, and the skills that he hasn't quite shown before. Like where he could be like a he could be the straight man in our either action comedy or even a even a serious like action film. He could like be a straight person if if 
we've pushed that and that he has it him. So yeah, yeah, that was definitely a. I would like to see more from that that side from him. But again, as you said, he always makes love anyway. Anyway, so you know, I'll take it out and get it. I guess. <laughs> yeah, there's a gag in that in that trailer where he cuts the guy's eye by accident and then pukes in his face, and that shit's funny. I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't intellectualize uh, my gut reaction. The other trailer that uh, that dropped this week that we want to talk about coming up on July 1st on Hulu is uh, The Princess, directed by, and this is, I think, the thing that has people most excited, directed by, uh, I'm going to hopefully pronounce his name somewhat correctly, Leigh Van Kiet, um, of Fury fame, directed Veronica Knows Fury, and Veronica No actually co-stars in this. Um but Joey King plays a, an ass kicking princess. Um, and uh, I didn't know what to make going into this trailer, but I there's some really good shit in this trailer. There is some really top notch sort of stuff that I wouldn't expect from a movie like this. Uh, so, uh, Vice, I'll go to you since you literally just watched the trailer. What did you think? <laughs> yeah, like, so it, I, I don't, I'm not trying to like make fun of it. Well, I am. But I mean this in a good way. It looks like, like an after school special kind of action movie. But like like it's it definitely seems for the kids, but like, which is good. Cause but you it's although it's R-rated, but it's also on Hulu, so like nobody's gonna care. So like <laughs> it definitely has that has that uh younger energy to it, you know, with, with the, the young girl lead Joy King, like it, it's it's uh upbeat and like it's it's definitely not taking itself too seriously. But again, as you said though, the action the action beats as, as I see them are really solid, you know, like a lot of like a lot of uh not wire work, but uh hanging from lines and, and jumps and a lot of uh, three-dimensional action going on, like, you know, uh, vertical speaking, vertical, along with the uh, combat. Yeah, it looks, looks pretty, pretty dynamic, you know, even though it looks like a, like a, a Lord of the Rings ripoff. That's, that's okay. That's, that's fine. <laughs> Liam, I'm, just, I'm looking at the credits now and I see uh, my, my guy, Derek Kolstad's a producer, uh, you know, who wrote, uh, created the John Wick series. So I, I definitely can see, you know, it's a Neil Moritz, Crom, Crom has thoughts about this, uh, but I, look, I don't really know Joey King that well. I know she's got the Kissing Booth franchise on Netflix, so she's got a huge following. But I was impressed by by her in this because it looks like she really did put the work in. Um, yeah, she's definitely. Then, uh, yeah, oh, sorry, you go. Oh, I was gonna say, yeah, she's definitely uh, looking to uh, ascend to the to the uh, realm of action-packed white girl, which is a pretty prestigious. Ranking in, in my eyes in the Hollywood uh, Hollywood sphere, uh, you know only a few a few vaulted individuals hold that title. Uh, one of my favorites, uh, Kayla Scudellario, Scudellario, yeah, she was you know she was a crawl, the alligator, fight the alligators, actually fight Michael right there. So yeah, I think Joy King trying to show she has the stuff, and at least from this trailer, yeah, she looks, looks like she does. Yeah, you just mentioned crawl. Crawl is one of my favorites yeah, of the past yeah. couple of years. Love that movie. Yeah, no, I I agree. You know, it it reminds me a lot of what it what it most reminded me of was sort of the late '90s when uh, that post sort of that post Hong Kong wave when we were getting Hong Kong directors coming over and you know and obviously we've talked a lot about the great ones like Hard Target and stuff like that. But I, and and I I think this movie looks a lot better. But it reminded me so much of uh, Peter Hyams. Yen Yen John co-directed The Musketeer. Uh, just this whole idea of we're getting all this crazy martial arts in a setting that has no business having crazy martial arts. Um, 
And I like that vibe. Like, I like the vibe. I thought the fight scenes look good. I think Joey King looks like she did the work. Like you said, Liam, it's also got somebody that I'm going to talk about again in just a few minutes. It's also co-starring uh, Olga Kurilenko, which means it's a must watch for me anyway. So, um, yeah, so we will probably circle back to this one on around whatever episode we do around July 1st and, and talk about it because we probably will have all watched it since it's on Hulu. So, all right. Anything else on the trailers, boys? They were good. All right. Director, the director Lee Van uh, Kate, did you say? I think it's, so, yes, but I, I would, Nguyen uh, will cor- correct us uh, for, yes. uh, for this. Did you see his shark movie? I'm just going through his IMDb, the, the Requin. No, I have not seen his shark movie. I'm curious. Okay, yeah, no, I, I think we're good to move on from trailers then. So into the DTV onslaught that we got this week, uh, I'm gonna go first because this is the only one that uh, I saw that the other that the other boys haven't, uh, which is White Elephant, the new Jesse D. Johnson joint, starring Michael Rooker, my girl Olga Kurilenko, and Bruce Willis. Uh, I can't imagine that this was necessarily the movie that Jesse hoped it would be. Um, you know, I mean, that's that's kind of what I can say about it. I, I, you know, I don't know if Jesse listens to the podcast, but if he does, Jesse, you know, we love you. We we sing your praises all the time. Um, so what I'm about to say about this particular one, understand. Um, I think there's some decent stuff in it. Uh, what action there is, is very much Jesse D. Johnson action. It's brutal. It's fast. It's messy. Uh, The movie looks great. He's got a much bigger budget to work with than he usually does. I mean, he probably could have made three debt collector movies for what the budget on this one was. Uh, So it looks a lot better. It it doesn't, it's got a very nicely kind of polished shine to it. Um, and speaking of doing the work, Olga, Olga Kurilenko just absolutely continues to excel in, in you know, you, Vice, you want to talk about action-packed white girl. I mean, yeah, that's the top show action-packed white woman right there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like between Sentinel last year and this one, and I love, I love her and the courier. Um, just, just, she's great. Um, Rooker. I, I mean, I'm happy to see Rooker do more action. I, I, felt like he was maybe just a little bit low energy in this one and then i don't want to i don't want to belabor the the willis thing we've talked at length about willis on this show there's no reason for me to go into it you know what you're getting from him when you're watching a bruce willis movie and but now that everybody knows what they know it's hard to not just kind of feel sad um when you're watching it um you know half his lines are dubbed um stuff like that so but um it's okay. It's fine. You know, it, it is, it is an AMC plus uh, exclusive. So if you sign up, if you have AMC plus or you sign up for their one week trial, you can check it out that way. You can also rent it, uh, you know, basically everywhere. But um, I signed up for AMC plus just cause I'd never used it before. And I was curious to see what the service had to offer. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's fine. What I know is I have the utmost faith that Jesse's going to come back big with the next one because we've talked about it it's that he's doing the Boudicca movie with with Olga and I think he's gonna come back big and I really do hope working with some bigger stars on this one you know opens some some doors and some paths for him but uh it was not my favorite watch of the weekend I'll just leave it at that yeah yeah 
that's how it goes. That's that's the DTV burner for you. You're not gonna, you're yeah, not, I mean, and, and do you guys know like the schedule wise on on these movies is just infamously insane in short. And they'll like, uh, you know, I haven't seen this one, but the that whole Bruce Willis thing would be like they'll shoot most of the movie with a double, and then they'll come in and do like all of his stuff in like three days, and it's just not the right way to to make a movie. And even when you have someone as innately talented as Jesse V. Johnson. It's disappointing to see them kind of forced into those uh, compromises, but uh, you know, it's, I'm sure it was a, it was a great payday. <laughs> more yeah. power to him. I, I mean, he probably did get paid more on this than almost any other movie he's ever done. So, you know, and that's good. You, you got to get paid. Um, got to get paid, man. It's a, uh, it's people, you, you cannot appear. You cannot, Bond a press release. I went to Bank of America last week. They did not give me any money for my press release. I said, everyone on Twitter said, congratulations, the movie's made already. And they said, no, <laughs> we actually only take money in this bank. So. <laughs> I I will also say um, on, a, on a, another sort of positive note, if, if think of this as sort of a lesser Jesse D. Johnson movie, but it is a much more top tier recent Bruce Willis movie. I mean, if you're thinking it's on the level of, of some of the other ones he's done recently, it's Jesse's still going to Jesse. He can't not be Jesse. And so the movie's always absolutely going to be better than, you know, some of those other Willis movies we've had. So if you go into it that way, you know, kind of approaching it as that, you know, you'll probably enjoy it a little more than, than I did. So that's all I'm going to say about it. Um, you know, it's, it's out there. I know our audience was, wanting to know about the movie so you know normally we don't even really talk about movies we don't like all that much here but i wanted to let everybody know what i thought of it um all right moving on uh the one that they for the one that all three of us have seen and the one that might lead to a little scrap in here <laughs> matthew riley's interceptor uh which if you followed me friday night on twitter you know that i actually like flipped shit for it this is a 90s ass imperial entertainment fucking movie and i loved it um so uh let's let's uh, let's go to vice first vice what are your thoughts on it uh it's uh yeah all those all the things people say about you know it's uh, it's retro or it's like uh, the 90s style that's all true and it's it's really um uh fitting you know it's it's the lower budget you know you can kind of tell you can see it on the cg and stuff so but you know and the action that was really solid um uh so oh real quick for you know people recap uh it's uh there's like a, a inter missile interceptor base in the middle of the ocean, the Pacific Ocean. Is, so the whole movie is about a, a giant uh, trans-global uh, terrorist plot to launch 16 nuclear missiles into America, and only this interceptor station stands in the way. And so the terrorists come to take this station, and the one only they can only be stopped by D, also attacking. You know, also the baddest bitch in the army. You know, she's so hardcore. This movie, and so the whole thing is like it's like. Die hard on a uh, a rigged station, you know. So she has to stop the terrorists uh, from getting into the command center and do all this various action and 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 shenanigans going on. So yeah, in that regard, yeah, it's definitely uh, kind of that old school feel of a uh, uh, Russian, you know, Russian nuclear terror and and uh, one one against many kind of uh, closed quarter action. But I want to kind of I want to say up front actually is that I was really surprised that um they kind of centered the movie in a really uh almost shocking really accurate and raw portrayal of a female service member who's gone through sexual assault or sexual harassment and even uh 
uh, self harm. Uh, oh, uh, it slight trigger warning, you know, so for this, um, you know, uh, suicidal ideations and stuff. And just um, knowing from my previous experience, uh, in all, all the information we have, and all the, frankly, all the fellow service members I've met who have experienced either firsthand or, you know, uh, potentially or directly sexual assault, because the truth is, you know, sexual assault is is rampant. It's, it's, it's a huge deal in the armed forces. Um, and in, and even even the paradigms of it that we think of are, aren't, aren't set, as in like, a, it's not just male and female, overall, but it's all women of the case. It's just, a, it's a ongoing problem for any, any person, any any person, be it uh, between peers or, uh, or between people in power abusing uh, low ranking people. So the movie kind of hinges on that central trauma that as the main heroes kind of internal conflict. And I was really surprised that they, they decided to go that route. Like, like they, they, they didn't shy away from them. And some of the, some of the abuse you see here, not just the, the sexual abuse, but um, the abuse after the fact, once this part of the story is that she uh, comes out and, uh, uh, which, you know, accuses the, the, the general of harassing her. So, but the huge amount of backlash and hatred and uh, death threats and rape threats and stuff she gets from that, from her own peers, her comrades, the military itself is just so damning of the way, you know, the, the culture of how we treat this stuff. We just, we don't take it seriously, or we we as as I mean, in military, we uh, never really side with the victims, or we never really believe them, even though, you know, currently they kind of go through the believe a woman thing, but that's practically never been the case in the military, sadly. And so I, I was again, I was really surprised that they decided to use that very real, very serious uh, 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 trauma to keep, to have that as part of the internal conflict of the character. But, uh, it, which is such a strange kind of parallel between, she's otherwise she's kind of a typical 90s action heroine. So to see those two elements grounded together to, to kind of uh, make you understand why she's so motivated and why she's so focused and steeled, hardened, you know, because she's been to them so much. And she's not invulnerable to, but you know, both both physically and emotionally, because this stuff does get to her. But it gives it, it gives it that much more uh, uh, power or uh, depth for what should essentially be just a silly throwaway, you know, TV action movie. Um, but that just having that 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 score there, I was really surprised by it. And it kind of it takes it it uh, not obviously, but it um, it takes the movie for me the, the full way. Because uh, whenever whenever it does feel like slight or kind of empty, you to get back to this central character moment that Elsa Pataki does surprisingly well. Because uh, uh, I will say, you know, she does she she could definitely come up as a wooden in her delivery and such. Um, but I think it works in this. She's they use it to her advantage. I think in this as as a character as a this taciturn, uh, you know, hardened woman, and you kind of they they make her uh, lack of in, inflections and stuff. Uh, work with her kind of hold this stuff in but then you know when she, when she does at least she does let it out you know it, it it makes it that much more more effective um so yeah i was yeah again i was really glad that they did that that angle in there and, and i um i i don't know if there's gonna be a fucking you know quote, quote backlash from fucking you know dudes like why you put this fucking uh woke shit in the movie you know who gives a fuck like they they, they actually did it and they they went through with it and um and there's, there's other political social stuff in the movie too that um Again, we might raise some heckles, but you know, fuck them. Like it, it all works to the betterment of this. Again, it'll always be a very simple, shallow, stupid story. So yeah, I really commend them for that.
Yeah, and, and otherwise, otherwise, it's a solid, really solid action movie all around. William, I thought it was fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I just we the last two weeks we we did RRR and then Maverick, so I guess it's just sort of like anything's going to be a, a come down from the uh, cinematic nirvana that uh, <laughs> I've been on. Um, you know, the positives of it, I think it's a good script. I think that the first 15 minutes are really great. Uh, it's a really good setup, um, you know, from a, from a, you know, a how to write something that you, you could get financed and get shot. I mean, especially, obviously this was shot during a pandemic and you can see how that would, you know, it, it, it really lended itself to or to pandemic shooting with a small cast in a very confined space and, they make really good use of uh, of that space and of the tension. I mean, it's generally takes place almost entirely in this control room with a hallway outside. Um, you get very little extra of the base. Um, th there were n literally no exterior uh, in-camera shots. Like it's all green screen CG, um, which is some of the thing that frustrates me about it is that it's like, this is a Netflix movie. They've got a real budget and some of the CG just feels like it could be like, you know, that, that the reason why things aren't as crisp is they're just like lowballing it, you know? And I feel like if, if this is, you know, kind of their, you know, I saw that Sam Hargraves consulted on the action. You've got the extraction franchise, like, you know, I just feel like they should have, they should have given the movie a little bit more money and it. I think it would have, uh, you know, looked a little bit better with some of the missile VFX and, and some of those uh, CG exteriors. But it's still, uh, you know, it's, it's a Netflix movie. You're, you've already paid for it. So uh, it's definitely worth a watch. Um, I, I really liked the Luke Bracey. Uh, you know, we've been saying this is a motif now that all of the sort of failed white guy leads of the past decade are becoming really good villains or character actors now. And, uh, you know, he... You're definitely like looking at this, you're like, yeah, I could see why, you know, he was had that push behind him because he has got such a, you know, great bone structure and uh, and and he's, he's got, you know, he's, he's quite good as the villain in this. And I, I would say one of the, the I'm not, it, it's, it's, you know, the, everyone does the diehard switcheroo being like, this is a political thing to know it's actually a movie mode, uh, money motivation for the bad guy. And I just felt like, the bigger implication of their plan never really came together and got explained to me. And I think that would have maybe gone a, a little extra because like, if you literally are going to nuke the entire country and kill that many millions of people, it feels like you would need some kind of bigger belief system, you know, like, you know, Oh, I got $10 million, like $10 million. You're, you're like completely destroying the world, the world economy, you know, it's like, it's not like going to just be like, yeah, I get to go hang out in the Caribbean afterwards. Like, no, no, no. The nuclear fallout is going to literally destroy half the planet. You're going to be hanging out in like, you know, I don't know, the Mediterranean Sea, maybe, I don't know. It was just like sort of such a, um, you know, simple money motivation for such an apocalyptic plan that uh, I never felt like that part was satisfactorily answered, I guess. Um, but yeah, it, again, it, it, a pretty good Netflix movie. I think the action's good. I think um, Elsa really sells the physicality. Um, the the, the one-armed uh, monkey bar pole is, is, is uh, 
believable to me. I, I felt you got to use two arms to do that at least. Like even if your arm's injured, like play that, but just going one arm, one arm, one arm to then the huge one arm pull. Oh, anyway. <laughs> I believe her. I, can, I see some of them uh, CrossFit chicks, man. <laughs> you can't even do, go try to do a one arm like monkey bar at it. A, it's, it's like next well, to impossible. I, I'm a fat old 40 year old man. <laughs> She is also Pataki, who's also older, but still, you see them guns? Make it up on. <laughs> Her shoulders are boulders. Yes, they're quite <laughs> impressive. I did I, I did love how it used the movie used, whether you the monkey bar pull or whatever. I loved how you know she got shot in the arm and her arm was useless uh for the rest of the movie. I, you know, that is not something that you see very often in movies. Um I think I think it's fair to say she's she can be a little bit wooden. She has been in most of her her movies, um, but uh, she does the work. And and I want to shout out. I shouted her out on on Twitter. Uh, Ingrid Kleinig, who is the second unit director and stunt coordinator of this, she is a name that y'all better remember because based on what she's done and uh, what she did here, uh, I think she's she's gonna be she's gonna be real big. Um, she's got a great fight with Elsa in this too. Uh, they, they beat the hell out of one another pretty good. So um, I liked it. I, I don't have too much to add Vice, You, you, you nailed a lot of the stuff. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So about the fighting. So like, you know, part of this, shit that, you know, all these fucking winners complain about, you know, or oh, a girl can be the guy to fight like that for real. And I think part of the, what they, what's clever about it is that once you can, she's obviously physically tougher than the average woman. So she has that going for her as a character, but then like, um, you know, you know, they're using the, the this contained space. So a lot of her fights involve some environmental stuff as well that you would that would um inherently need to happen for anybody who's fighting somebody bigger to kind of get an advantage. Like uh, you know, either either using the, the enemy's weapons and stuff against them, or um you know, be it the objects on the ground or the like the fr- a fridge or a trophy case or, or trophy or, or or the actual the, the giant uh a, a 2D map in the in the command center you can use as a fucking you know uh, impact zone you know so she they're very smart about uh, knowing that she's physically smaller than a lot of adversaries but like using the environment to advantage like to more quote unquote realistically uh, do the fights you know yeah it, it's still you know she's still doing like you know kung fu hoop superhero shit but like it's it's they do it, the way they sell the fights makes it more effective um, than you would normally see these kind of these otherwise. No budget kind of movies, so they did, I think they, they were smart enough to do that, and it really was helpful. But also, you can see the power. She's uh, this. She's uh, a guy's grabbing the gun. She she's holding it with, an, with the grip. So she uh, does the uh, uh, she disassembles the gun, takes the uh, lower receiver, and jams it in his fucking face. That's his, that's his great. That's his great cinema right there. <laughs> that's a really solid solid kill. You know. <laughs> Yeah, there's some there's some pretty great kills in this, and 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 you know, and the other thing is, it's not very long. I mean, it comes in right at about ninety minutes, so it 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 doesn't waste a lot of time. Um, I also I agree with you, Vice. I I liked the sort of stuff they brought in about her past, and 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 it's I've I've seen a lot of criticisms that it's really clumsy, and it is pretty clumsy. But you know what, other movies. Uh, aren't clumsy ones that don't try right like i i think i think this one tries and so i think that makes it <clears throat> yeah i'm i'm willing to overlook a little bit of, of some of the clumsiness in the in the script because it's trying to say something at least uh which is you know better than most of the action movies that we watch so 
And I, and I mentioned the, you know, like, the, the, well, let me mention the, uh, the other political overtones and stuff, you know, like, because uh, one of the, part of the crew of the characters there in the convention center, one of them, uh, Corporal Shah, you know, he, he's a Hindi, Hindi American in the movie. And so part of the, part of the uh, monologue you, you hear by the, from the villains that, you know, again, doesn't go all the way. It's like, that, you know, this is a new America, you know, it's, it's too different and too racial, you know, like they, they use some of that uh, modern, you know, you know, mega style invective to kind of feed into the, to, to the villain, villain I know, but they kind of, they, they do it out of both sides of their mouth because you yeah, have yeah. the beaver guy who's the white nationalist, but then you have <laughs> Luke Bracey's guy who's like, actually, I'm more liberal than you. I'm like, <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to decimate America so that we can all be brothers in the next round. And I, I just kind of wish they leaned all the way into the white nationalist, you know, insurrection thing, because at least then it would be like, you're up against true believers. You're up against evil. I don't know. There's, so there's something about it to me that was a little bit okay. like they got to yeah. touch on that thing, but actually not commit to it. Yeah, no, it's definitely not a full on like a, a like Orwell, Orwellian screed, but like a you know the the main guy breaks. He's a, he's like a he's not a he's a tech billionaire son. Like of course he's like there's that dynamic of he's playing he's playing with these fucking actual believers, like you know the guy named Beaver, the patriot. You know he's he's you know, it's the, the shit playing out now. You know these fucking fake ass billionaires using real people's grievances to enact their plans so they can make money. You know, so that that we're microcosm. Not that it's. I'm not saying the movie's that fucking deep, but like it's it's that through line is definitely like coherent enough that it, just, it works. You know, more than more than more than not. You did do a very funny tweet about uh, the Chris Hemsworth cameo in this movie. <laughs> Which I, <laughs> I thought was a little overly distracting. And I, I actually was thinking, I'm like, how much cooler would it have been for him to have been the, the base boss at the beginning? And he's the one who welcomes her in. And then he gets shot in the head at the 12 minute mark. You would have been like, whoa, you just shot Chris Hemsworth in the head. Like, <laughs> I, I, I was, if you're going to put the biggest movie star in the movie in the movie, I would just, you know, do that sort of like upfront George Clooney uh you know killing and gravity sort of vibe I think would have been a better use than just constantly cutting back to the stoner at Best Buy in downtown I, 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 I like that it was like a waste of time like why is he here <laughs> it was a totally different movie different tone yeah, yeah. like completely yeah, I kind of love that what I, I, is I, happening I love that it was silly as like they like well because first of all I would say the you know the the actual military command guy in the beginning like uh same thing like there's a there's a strange uh realism to the or no integrity to some of the military stuff going on and like that like that kind of community you know the kind of the overweight older looking dad looking kind of guy that's what a lieutenant looks like for real they don't look like fucking uh captain they, they, they don't like like hook down all the time they look like that <laughs> you know it's like so i had like i kind of dug that part to it no he he was good i was just thinking post of being like if you if you've got a day with chris hemsworth what are you going to mm -hmm. use him for i would have done that you know yeah <laughs> See, this is how, so like I gave you the money, not yeah. <laughs> but you know, like, yeah, I, it's, I like that. It, it, it just it, all this silliness made sense to me. Like they would just waste them like that. You know, Netflix. If, if Netflix did something else, they waste money. <laughs> well, he's <laughs> he's the EP of the movie. I mean, Elsa's his yeah, wife. Yeah, uh, yeah. He, he's kind of behind. He this. helped train her for the movie. He, I mean, he. I, I think that's they used Hemsworth that way because that's the way Hemsworth wanted to be used. Like, of I course, really of course, yeah. yeah. There was a whole lot of like, so yeah. Um, it made me laugh. They go back to it way too much, but it, it, I'm not going to lie. It made me laugh. I am much, much like, much like you said about Kevin Hart, Liam. I am, uh, I, I, 
it made me laugh. What do you want me to say? I can't help my gut reaction. when. Right. I- no, no. It, he got, it got me to laugh at it, but it was also like by the fourth time, but obviously they just had him in the, in the fucking, in that room for, you know, a few hours and you have all this footage and I'm sure. Yeah, you just have yeah. sort of, you know, riff and improv and do stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> get it. All right. Um, I think, you know, I mean, it's, it's I, this isn't a movie that we need to spend as much time on as like we did Maverick, right? There's not that right. much to pull apart here, but I think, I think it's fun. I really liked it. Um, Vice, it seems like you liked it. Uh, yeah. You thought it was fine, um, you know, which is it, it's we'll call it two and a half wrecks from us here on A4E. Um, I know some other people have really not liked it, but a genuine generally I'm seeing pretty good response to people who've seen it. So if you haven't checked, I think it's yet. one of those things like if it was the exact same movie, but it was coming from our more DTV style brethren. Like if it was a Jesse V. Johnson joint with like Olga in a little sleazier, I think we'd like it all a lot better. It's that it's kind of like a little more sanitized Netflix version. And, uh, and, it, and it feels like it's got like almost a weird uh, in-between budget where it's like, it's, it's like they had a lot of money, but you know, maybe, maybe less exterior shots with all the CG would have been better off overall. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, I can see where it it hits on the uh, the spectrum of action Twitter, whereas like you could almost you reshoot the same script with more uh, of of the DTV friendly people and everyone would probably like it more. But because it's Netflix and then it's kind of got a lot a lot of money but not enough to do it to the size that they wanted to make it, it kind of puts it in a weird in between uh, range. So yeah, it's about kind of like you said, it's a, it's two and a half wrecks, two and a half star kind of movie, right? Oh, we forgot to mention. Um, I guess one of the bigger things about this is that this is like a the director slash writer. It's also like a really famous like uh, novelist, Matthew Riley. I I only found out, found out about this like a few a few days ago before I saw the movie. Um, because he's like a big like writer from Australia, or I, I think it is. Um, so he so like his whole bread and butter is these like kind of like these uh these low uh, lower grade action thriller books you know or i guess they call them uh airport novels or whatever so like the movie definitely feels like that shit like definitely like oh this is something i would just kind of bur- turn and burn you know i eat it and forget about it which is but you know it's like that's that's not a just all that's what it's for so you know you don't have it's not meant to be like a fucking masterpiece it's like you know that's that's the yeah, vibe it's going i think it's his debut right yeah yeah it's definitely it's actually a whole directed first movie for sure yeah, there's actually a whole like, New York Times article about this, like how uh, he was like offered more money to like have a quote unquote real director do it. But he's become like game of this, like this is probably kind of his, his master plan for like years now to like direct his own his own stories. So I mean, hey, more power to him. I guess he got what he wanted. And um, yeah, I would say yeah, even though it's definitely you know again, you we know what you're getting in these kind of movies, but I do think there's a bit of a unique twist, unique aesthetic to it, and I think that's from him. Like I think that that's I think this is this guy's style. If that's the case, then I'll, I'll, um, I would like to see more of it, uh, or at least maybe I'll check out some of his books or whatever. But uh, yeah, I dig what he's doing. Yeah, and it'll, uh, you know, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Black Sight makes a nice pair with Black Sight. A lot of the same, a lot of the same good stuff, a lot of the same problems in both of them, but I think they're both rock solid entertainment. So. All right. Uh, last one we got to talk about. I told you it'd be a light and breezy episode this week, folks. Last one we got to talk about is. Uh, Oh, sweaty Gerard, sweaty Jerry Butts. Uh, people, people kidnapped his wife, and he's gonna punch him. Um, 
he d- doesn't punch as much vice. Um, I have a feeling you liked this one more than I did. So I, I will kick it to you first to talk about this one. Oh yeah. This is like, it's, it's not quite a black coffee kind of movie, but it does get pretty, pretty uh, gnarly in the middle of it. Um, what's otherwise, you know, a simple kind of simple standard uh, missing wife thriller kind of thing. Um, but I think what's, well, so in this case though, they kind of, there's a joke in the trailer, at least, uh, which I don't think is actually in the, in the film proper where he, Gerard Butler's character is saying, I have no special skills. I, you know, I'm not a secret service guy. You know, he's just, he's just some dude uh, trying to find his wife. But what, what he is, is a very large, very sweaty, very angry dude trying to find his wife. And he, and he comes across even larger, even sweatier, even angrier dudes who uh, may, may or may not have something to do with his, his wife. So it kind of it does have a fun tension to it where it's like uh, he gets thrown into this weird situation. Like he's having marital problems. He's going to take his wife to, uh, you know, to the parents, wife goes missing right at the gas station, and he immediately suspects foul play, even though for all intents and purposes, everything looks seems otherwise normal. So then they kind of uh get into the whole like a uh, small mystery of what's what's actually happened. And yeah, and, and to be fair, it is pretty small scale. There's no like there's no really like grand kind of this design to the movie, just a small little like a uh, tame story. Um, but it does get to some pretty, pretty nasty places apart. Um as he's going further further insane try to find his wife he does get to some uh pretty hard fights uh, pretty hard you know uh oh uh uh one at one time heartthrob ethan embry is in a movie uh you guys never heard of like what can't hardly wait those kind of those teen comedies from 90s or early 2000s uh he's like a greasy little schmuck now and it's great it's fantastic i love it he's he, yeah he's he's like he's got a name knuckles local handyman slash drifter whatever and uh he, he encounters uh the, the beef and they have a they have a really hard nasty disturbing fight this fight uh, in, in the trailer and if the, the fight isn't really that dynamic it's not really that uh crazy you know it's just two sweaty dudes fighting but to hear ethan kind of whelping in, in agony and distress like just don't hit me anymore but like 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 almost crying about it but still trying to kill the guy because he's, he's still in his house and to see jerry butler in his full-on Scottish crazed white rage face going on. You know, you see, you see the veins coming out, you know, <laughs> you got, you got, I guess, love, love you guys. I love you guys do that. You have like the red and flesh of white in your skin. It's the best. Oh, <laughs> so you see, it's like his white rage coming out. He's trying to beat this guy for a pulp. And it's just so like, it's so um unsettling. It's like, I think I that's know. just liver disease. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just from our drinking. You're, you're going to see it. From Mike and I in the next year or two, don't worry. Yeah, just to, to see that play out, you know, it's very like you know, this 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 should st- this should stop. This fight must stop for both their sakes. So it's like it does get really, get really nasty, disturbing at parts. And then you know, at least to like a there's a eventual um meth lab shootout, good old fashioned American meth lab shootout. You know, <laughs> so like so again, it's, again, it's a pretty small contained story, but like I'd like that it goes pretty dark. You know, um. Um, nothing, nothing, again, nothing too crazy, nothing too, there's no big giant twist in, in the plot or anything like that, but, uh, it's a solid thriller, that, solid thriller that Gerard kind of excels at. He's like kind of slow key, small scale thrillers uh, where he kind of does go a little off, off, off the rocker. So yeah, I think it's one of his, um, better, better ones in, the, in this realm. So yeah. Really? Well, cause like, is it, is it, does it look like the cheapest movie he's ever made? 
Mm, not really. Not really. I mean, it's, it's okay. a pretty, uh, pretty cheap explosion. <laughs> I mean, the trailer looked like, you know, because like it's Jerry Butler, you know, the guy makes, you know, 60 to 80 million dollar movies like, you know, Hunter well, Killer and stuff like that. And it, yeah, yeah. This, this looked to me like the smallest scale thing I'd ever seen him in. It definitely it's small scale, but like, um, you know, a lot of the second half is like came in the woods and stuff in, the, in, a, in this like meth shanty town. And like it, that looks like um, the suitably grungy, but not cheap grungy. Like they, they kind of, they definitely took the time to use this, the setting and, or, or set design to make it properly grungy and, and nasty and, and violent looking. So I think that they, cool. the the money went where we're supposed to go in that in that regard. Um, Let we, me we, ask we, you another question: the monologue from the trailer is it good in the movie? Does it make sense, or was I, it? That's the thing I didn't hear. It, so Mike, yeah, let, let me know if, if I'm if I'm wrong because I didn't hear. It. They cut it for the tra- it's just a trailer. It's not in the I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, he looks like it, that 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 speech from the trailer just felt like it was literally a reaction to Twitter and like the taken yeah. thing and and the fact that it's not in the movie is interesting. But yeah, but like the thing is like it definitely plays off like you know, he's just a, again, he's a they don't get to his past at all. He's he's a fucking like realtor guy. So like for all intents and purposes, there's no reason. There's no reason why he is this as big and angry as he is, and so they never get into it. But again, you know, it's like they still sell it a lot of that he's going crazy through the other stuff, like you know the the separation or whatever, and like these these this town that, he does, that he's a stranger to is giving him guff. So they it's it's enough that to, to buy that this guy's off, off losing it, and he would like react as as you see. So I dig it because I've definitely Mike. been plenty. Of, well, I've definitely been plenty of uh, um don't towns in my travels where I want to like just, just like fucking level the place. So I get his frustration. Say that much. <laughs> Mike, what, what were your thoughts on uh, on last scene alive? I'm I'm less enthusiastic than Vice on it. Um it's it's fine. It's 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 like the literal definition of fine. Um I think I think Vice has hit the high points. There's uh the that mid fight between Butler and Ethan Embry, who has uh, if you haven't followed Ethan Embry recently, the the man is just doing great work now in his in his mm. I don't want to call it his old age, but I mean he, he's great in the guest. He was in a movie called The Devil's Candy that he's just fucking terrific in. Um cheap thrills too. Had to put him back on the map for me. And, uh, you know, and that fight is nasty, just nasty. Um, and and that that's good. The problem is when you're doing what sort of one of these kidnapped wife thrillers, you're you're really. It's really hard to not set yourself up to be compared to either the vanishing or breakdown. And so if you're not at least doing something different it's going to be really hard to, to just not pale in comparison. And that's the problem is this one does nothing different. Really. This one is as, as bog standard of a sort of kidnap thriller as you could possibly get really elevated only by sweaty Jerry butts. Um, so to me, it was fine. I'm not mad. I watched it again is short comes in right around 90 minutes. Um, but it's not, it's not something that I would necessarily say, yeah, people need to, to run out. And and especially given that it's only playing in theaters or theater at home, um, I I certainly did not feel like I got my $20 worth. Uh, <laughs> so, 
um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I, I, I got to watch, I got to watch Interceptor for free. So it, it balances out, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the movie it most reminded me of is actually one called transit, which I, I liked quite a bit, except I, it's got Jim Q Viesel in it now. So I don't blame anybody for never wanting to watch it, but it's very similar, very kind of sweaty. And, and, and the main character is not, you know, an elite type soldier or anything like that. Um, the biggest problem I have with that too is <sighs> Kurt Russell and breakdown could Kurt Russell can play in every man, right? Kurt Russell can be snake Plissken, but you can also believe that he's just some yuppie who is just fighting to find his wife and survive. It is really hard to take Gerard Butler at face value. Like there's nothing every man about about Gerard Butler, right? His demeanor, his behavior, his acting, his voice, all of it, everything. He about- talks in his uh, native accent, which yeah, is like, yeah. and, and no, nobody questions it. They're like, uh, nobody. No, nobody even says, you're not from here, aren't you? Like, like, it's just like, he's this giant Scottish man trying to find his wife in the middle of, uh, you know, uh, the backwards, right? yeah. and nobody questions it. Yeah. <laughs> And so the biggest problem for me kind of with the movie is on one hand, it's elevated because Butler's in it. But on the other hand, he's also kind of miscast, I think, in it. And so it makes it it's a weird sort of dichotomy. And not that I don't want Butler to to expand out and and, you know, and be, you know, branch out and do different roles. I mean, he came up doing a bunch of different roles. You know, it's just I don't know. It's it is hard to take him as somebody when he's just he's he's just he's supposedly got no skills but he's just banging on ethan Embry with these meat puppet hands that he's got and i mean just banging on the dude it, it's like yeah okay all right yeah you're an every man i get it um so but it's it's you know if if you like this type of movie it is well done i think for what it is it just it just was a bit of a miss for me you know uh side note uh they're doing that Last of Us TV show, slash movie, whatever. Who's in that again? Is it Pedro Pascal? Pedro, yeah. Yeah. So this would be a he should have been in this movie, and and the beef should have been should be Joel <laughs> in the in the Last of Us because the way like in the game the, the Last of Us you know you know the the PS five you know PS four uh, award winning game it's like a big dude and it's like a little girl he has to protect and uh, he goes around like mauling these uh militia men like the way he mauls people. These like these the dudes in this movie, like that's it looks it looks almost like shot for shot, like uh Joel in the game beats somebody with a crowbar to death. That's what it looks like. And I think that like, like you mentioned before, I think uh Pedro has the kind of energy energy to be a more everyman kind of person who would then, you know, have to do the, do this ordeal. So I, I just I just thought about that when, when I, as I was watching, I was like, this 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 should be he should be in that fucking game. Like that, that that's Joel right there, this giant angry man, like <laughs> man, pops away with a crowbar. That's him. <laughs> Beef. I love that you call him that instead. It still kind of takes. A oh second. yeah, shout out to my Tom Lorenzo. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's his. That's his, he only calls him that. So yeah, no, no, I, no, I do unkind. <laughs> well, boys, that's it. it. Miracle of all miracles. We're coming in under an hour for once. Um, oh yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Vice, I do want to plug one thing for you because we forgot to plug it last week. You were on uh, the You're Missing Out podcast a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Speaking of my friend Tom Lorenzo. Yeah. So uh, as you guys don't know, the podcast called You're, You're Missing Out. So I see a pretty interesting thing. Uh, they do. Uh, so that the, the Library of Congress has the National Film Registry where they uh, select and designate certain films, store history to be that are deemed, quote unquote, uh, historically uh, 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 relevant. 
And so it's a, it's a whole thing. So, so the podcast goes to various entries in that film industry and kind of discuss its, its relevance then and you know what it means to us now. So uh, I, I did a, um, the most recent recent episode of the uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, uh, the film from the late the 1930s. Um, yeah, now that was special to me. You know, uh, we, I recorded it last winter time, but uh, no matter the the point of the both the film and the podcast is that you know it's relevant no matter when or where you are. So yeah, I, I was really special episode for me. I had a lot of fun about another about a great movie. So yeah, that's again that's the uh, You're a Missing Out podcast. So you know, check them out wherever you know you hear your podcast and uh, listen in. It's a great film. And also, please if you can see the film, all quite was front of course. It's a classic. It's a great film and worth worth its. Uh, Destination in the uh, national film industry. Yeah, yeah. Mike and Tom are great fans, are great friends of the show. Uh, I've been on it before too. I was on it talking the uh, Great Train Robbery um, as kind of the first action picture. They're great. They're great, great people. I love them to death. Uh, so if you haven't listened, and and they do get actual real people on too. Like they've had Matt Singer on and they've had, you know, Patrick Willems on, not, not just schlubs like Vice and I. So, um, uh, so uh, yeah. So check that out. Um, Vice, where can people find you online? Oh shit. I, I am as always, now that I'm back to full health, almost on Twitter talking mad shit. Um, I'm on Instagram being mad hot. You see my beach pictures, man. I'm looking good in the beach. And I'm on Letterboxd being uh, slightly smart, slightly smart. Liam, anything you want to plug or announce right now? Uh, no, I was going to just talk a, a little bit about this thread that I did yesterday, just from, uh, you know, following Claudio Miranda on Instagram. And he posted this insane in-camera shot that they got of, uh, of the planes and Maverick. And I kind of just went on a little uh, trip down memory lane of, uh, you know, Claudio was actually the guy who shot the first music video treatment I wrote back in 2006. And, uh, and, and then people were kind of asking me about what does the music video treatment look like? And so then yesterday I went into my Dropbox and unearthed these, uh, the, the treatments for the ones that I got made. I mean, I wrote way more than these, uh, you kind of, this was at least the process that I had. And this was kind of one of my first gigs when I first moved out here, uh, working for Greg and Colin Strauss as directors kind of outside of hydraulics, but then of course hydraulics would do all the visual effects on those music videos. So um, they would kind of like the record label will send you a song and either the artist has an idea or the record label has some direction, but a lot of times it's just the song. And I would just listen to it like a million times and try to come up with different ideas. And then I pitched them to the director and then they would kind of go back and forth. And uh, like, sometimes like, um, with the 50 cent one, I was a huge 50 cent fan. You know, I, I love the the first album of his, you know, so I, I kind of was locked in a hundred percent that I wanted it to be a sequel to, uh, in the club's video and, uh, do my post-apocalyptic and like, you know, I think they had said something like, you know, that they really loved I am legend. So we just were like, we're like, we're going to do pretty much like an I am legend vibe, uh, you know, post-apocalyptic thing. And, and that one was was really easy. But then the directors were like, oh, we want to do this lens popping technique. And so that became like a whole thing. And, and Claudio is actually just like holding the lens in front of the camera and he's popping it on and off as you're shooting, which is it's not a post effect. If you watch that video, it's really fucking cool. And it gives it a ton of energy. Um, 
and then and there's actually in that video where 50 like is punching a piece of glass in front of the camera and the first time we set it up it was just kind of like okay let's go do it and he just immediately annihilated it with one shot and we we're like oh that kind of didn't work at all we wanted it to be like crack 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 hit so he had to do it again uh but it was a, it was a super fun shoot and kind of going through all that i i laughed at the fact that uh my my writing voice was quite robotic and college essay-ish to start. And then by the time I was doing the Usher music videos, I was like, we're going to do this in final draft. <laughs> I'm going to write these out like they're a movie script and I'm going to make them sequels. You know, like, like the first one was a sequel to the last one. And even Get Up being like a sequel to In the Club, it was just like so like chomping at the bit to get into movies and trying to smuggle as much cinematic, you know, elements into these things as possible. Uh, but that shoot, uh, just going down memory lane of the of the Usher shoot, like we were at this really awesome nightclub in Hollywood. Um, I was in the trailer with, with Benny Medina, who is this kind of legendary manager producer. He's the guy who kind of discovered Will Smith and produced, um, you know, Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and he, you know, in this super nice trailer, and he's just like, well, you know, we got. Puffy's showing up. We got Kanye. Like, what are we going to do for them? And I'm just like this little kid in there. And like, um, you know, the, the different celebrities would just be coming in and out and you're trying to figure out how to fit them and where in the club and how to schedule it. And uh, and then you get fucking Jeff Cronin with from Fight Club and then later Social Network shooting it. And uh, it's just one of those things that you look back and you're like, you know, when people say, if you want to get into this business, like move to LA, I think that's part of the reason why you do it because you know i i knew that some of these people were legends but they've gone on even farther and to just get exposed to like mastery in your young years and kind of like through osmosis be like oh this is what like a real how a real dp runs a set is uh you know it it it, it rubs off on you in 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 good good ways and it, it's definitely like i remember we're at claudio's house and he was talking about how he was about to go do Benjamin Button and he was like, this is just going to like be, you know, a total game changer. Like this could win, you know, Oscars and stuff. Um, Cause he had come in to finish uh, Zodiac. And so it was just sort of like, wow, this guy's like, he's on the top of the, you know, he's on the top of the roller coaster. He's about to go down. And now, you know, he's just, he, he won the Oscar for, for life of Pi, And now, you know, Maverick is just so, so visually accomplished um, so yeah, it's just, just kind of a nice little, uh, just it's what's cool about social media. Sometimes you just see someone's Instagram and then you kind of go down a, a 15 year rabbit hole. Uh, but that's all on my, uh, on my Twitter, if you guys want to check it out and, um, yeah, no, well, uh, Liam Odin, uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, I'm trying to remember that I'm on Letterboxd. <laughs> I will. Uh, I will also make sure to retweet that thread uh, when I post the episode and and link it in the show notes so that people can check it out. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Hibachi Justice and Letterboxd. You can find the show at A4E Podcast on Twitter. That's the letter A, the number four, the letter E Podcast. You're listening to us, so obviously you know you can be find us anywhere podcasts can be found. Uh, we're not sure what we're going to talk about next week. We're in a bit of a. It's a bit of a little bit of a lull i think for some stuff uh maverick soaking up all the box office um you want to do with the dinosaurs i don't know about the dinosaurs they have the guns dino- the, the dinosaurs next week i thought it was like two weeks no? it was, i don't know I, that's, that's how much i do how little i care 
But uh, we will figure it out. We will be back. Love you, boys. Let's talk again next week. All right. Bye-bye. Take care.